Well, hello everyone, and welcome back to another episode of On the Benches A League Show. Of course, with a slight twist at the moment, and tonight we will carry on that trend with tonight being another preview review show also of the Asian Cup that is currently going on at the moment. My name is Joseph Esposito and tonight, as always, I'm here with Matthew Vidiello. Matt, how are you going? Bit deflated, Joseph, not going to lie, yeah. after <laughs> after the uh, events that transpired on Sunday night, but I've um, I've been stewing, I've been brewing, I've been sitting in peak hour traffic, work every morning, thinking about oh, what I'm going to say it. tonight and... Um, yeah, it's uh, it's it's getting easier, and the games come thick and fast now. So, yeah, hopefully we can recover. No, exactly, mate. Exactly. Well, we do have a big show tonight. Of course, reviewing our first game. Uh, it'll be a, a very similar tone from the both of us regarding that match, and of course, we will be previewing Australia's match against. Palestine, which is this Friday night at 10pm, and then of course we will look into and forward to round 13 of the A-League. Of course, it's a it's a broken round, it's kind of running over you know, the midweek schedule at the moment, still the, the summer of football, but uh, mate, without further ado, let's get into tonight's show. Now, Jordan, I'm just going to ask, just to get the ball rolling, just thoughts on the game and the first round as a whole so far. Obviously, we haven't finished the first round, but maybe, you know, on the back end of this question, Matt, is there any sort of, you know, potential dark horse that you've outlined already? Um, or highlighted, to answer, to answer that question first, um, I know Vietnam are playing later this evening, I believe. Now, that obviously, they haven't played yet, but I've actually tipped them pre-tournament to be a bit of a dark horse. They, they did um, absolute wonders in the... That's outrageous. Uh, in, the, ...in the Suzuki Cup, and I think, they're going to, um, I think they're going to surprise a few at this tournament, probably being one of the... either the second-place team in that group or one of the high-point-scoring third-place teams. I think they can... Re- like, I think they really, really have a good shot at taking a long run-up and um, having a crack at this tournament. The group isn't hard with Iran clearly being the four forerunners and probably mm-hmm. the forerunners of the competition taking that 5-0 win definitely the most convincing result uh so far but yep. you've got Yemen in there who don't look much chop and you've got Iraq in there who have always been a bit hit and miss when it comes to tournaments obviously um fa- I think they failed to qualify no they didn't fail to qualify for the last Asian Cup they went out in uh tragic circumstances didn't they uh Ben Williams yes. I believe making a, uh, a referee error. But, uh, yeah, Vietnam for my dark horses and uh, Iran to uh, be my favourites. I just think they've been developing really nicely under Carlos Queros and culminated in a 5-0 win this morning. Yeah, wow. Okay, Vietnam. I mean, not outrageous, should I say. But, you know, I, I definitely wasn't expecting Vietnam from you. But, um, oh, look, I guess myself, mate, yeah, I, I don't really I, – I don't necessarily have a dark horse. But, yeah, I guess – you know, not an obvious favourite. And, yeah, I was just looking at Iran. You know, I, I caught, like, you know, extended highlights last night. Uh, sorry, of the game last night or early this morning. And, um, you know, it was – they were – they looked very, very impressive, regardless of who they were playing. You know, as you said, Yemen, not much chop, you know. But um, they looked they looked impressive and they looked really clinical. And, you know, they swamped uh, Yemen in the end. I think they had something like 20 shots in the end. So – um, and Yemen, you know, low in the single digits uh, in that regard. But uh, look, mate, moving on to the game, the Socceroos versus Jordan. So your thoughts on the game, mate? Just guess, initial thoughts. Is there a positive? The, the, fir- the first thing I probably have to do is apologise to um, our listeners and to, you know, the probably the whole West Asian community of this tournament and for my bullishness and complete, utter... 
um, lack of respect for a team like Jordan. You and I predicting three and four yes, nil wins on the show exactly. here. Exactly. Yes. But whilst we do credit Jordan, I have to say, is is this is this the lowest ebb the Socceroos have ever been at? Because I'm looking back, I'm looking back in the annals of my mind, looking back four years ago to this to the 2015 Asian Cup, and I, I would argue right now, Joseph, we haven't put in a decent performance as a national team, and especially against um, the Western Asian and uh, Emirati opposition since that tournament. I cannot think of a, a, a single time where these Socceroos have fa- uh, have um, failed to deceive us and actually convince us and put an actual solid performance out there. The only the only positive out of this game is that our group, luckily for us, in a way, is Palestine, Syria, and Jordan. And we all know Palestine are going to go out, and Jordan have given every team the template of how to play Australia now. Yep. Now, mm-hmm. I'm fully expect- I know I'm jumping ahead to the preview, but I'm fully expecting Palestine to go out and do the exact same thing. The only positive out of this being is that we probably know that they're going to do that. And on paper, you look at where our players play, and you look at what our coaches achieve. On paper... We should have enough to 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 overcome that. Oh, am I not right? Like I, I know, I know it's I, I know we say, oh, it's Jordan, it's Jordan. You have to give respect to their players. Okay, granted, they worked incredibly hard, but we are so disjointed, so out of shape, and and our ideas and it, the ideas of the coach are just not coming across. And we're, we're we struggle, we struggle on paper. We should be thrashing these teams. It should be simple for us. But we just can't. There's some type of mental roadblock, especially against these types of teams. We struggled for years, for years. And thank God the next World Cup has um, 64 teams involved in it because I honestly don't think we could qualify for a World Cup, a normal you know, 32-team World Cup. I honestly don't. Big call. Big call. But... Uh... Uh, yeah, wow. You've, uh, you've, set the, you've definitely set the tone there, Matt. It's... Uh... It's a it's a it's a pretty dim you know dim situation at the moment. I mean you know at least the the last couple of days and you know it's hard to disagree with some of the stuff you said there. I don't know about the World Cup situation, but then again, I I I said I remember I said what almost a year ago when we qualified for the World Cup that this would only throw a blanket over you know the problems that lie beneath, and you know maybe this result against Jordan is just another example of that. Um, you know, yes, of course, we look, we do have our injuries. Uh, we, we all know that. But, I mean, I just, the thing for me is that, you know, regardless of who we have on the field, the thing that just frustrated me, like, you know, had me almost, like, you know, belching into the pillow was just how slow we were in everything we did. And, you know, we got we got run around. You know, I'm not going to, you know, out of respect for, uh, for uh, his name, I, I'm... I'm not going to try and pronounce it, you know, the, the centre defensive midfielder for Jordan, yeah. 36 years old. He looked like he was 22 against our midfield, running everywhere, tackling. He won everything. You know, Rogic couldn't get past him, you know, by once or twice. The only one that was, you know, mildly successful against him was Chris Economides when he came on. Um, but just everything we did was so slow because when they when they counted attacked you know they and we won the ball back we got the ball and then we'd stop and we'd kick it around the back and we'd do this and we'd do that and it was just so slow and the way we defended everything you know when they counted we were so slow and you know if Josh Risden pushed forward or Aziz Bayich pushed forward 
you know, it took 10 to 15 seconds before you saw them back in the defensive line again. And it was just like, what the hell is going on? Yeah. And yeah, I, I think that as a nation, you know, like you said, you know, you and me, but everyone for that matter, thought that we were going to roll them, be all over them like white on rice. And we just weren't. And yeah, it was, it was pretty, it was pretty uh, dim viewing. Now, I guess for me, the only positive that I can see out of it and that people are seeing out of it is that, you know, there's a potential that we'll finish second now and that we won't have to play Japan in the first uh, knockout stage. Right now, that's the only positive, and to be honest, it's not a bad one. But, uh, you know, that is, of course, expecting that Jordan would go on and do the job uh, against Palestine. Um, and, you know, so it's... I just... Yeah, we're, I'd, we're I'd, actu- I'd actually argue that the current setup this team is probably more akin to Sorry, playing... Sorry, Iraq. Sorry, I just had a mind blank at the group. That um, is um, more Iraq. akin to playing a East Asian team rather than a West Asian. So I, I wouldn't actually fear a Japan or a South Korea in this instance. I would more fear an Iran or a Saudi or a UAE backed by, yeah, the, um, I mean, backed by their thing. But, but just um, back, sorry, just quickly, I just want to say, just, just getting back to that, you know, quickness of things. There was one moment in the first half where we moved the ball quickly. And honestly, people have jumped on his back multiple times in both his domestic career and international career, even though his international career has been somewhat short. And Jamie McLaren, Jamie McLaren was, you know, wanted to put his head, wanted to put his head through a, you know, window pane last, uh, the other night. The amount of times where he made the little darting run, he, you know, jumped off, you know, checked off the shoulder of the centre-back, just looking for a ball into his feet that he could knock and move on. And time and time again, we didn't give him that ball. But, you know, we wanted to go down the wing and lump a cross in. We, Jamie McLaren, he's never going to... He'll only put his head on the ball, his head on the ball if, he's in a, if we can find him in, you know, six yards of space in the box because he's not a tall striker. But for some reason, we kept wanting to do that. And the one time... Okay, Awa uh, Mabil picked up the ball, played the ball into his feet. He controlled it, rolled it, rolled it inside, and Awa Mabil made a breakthrough. You know, qual- uh, credit to Jordan, they managed to shepherd him out. You know, towards the sideline. But for one, you know, fleeting moment, when they played the ball to McLaren's feet, they actually got somewhere. The one time they played quickly, I so that's, you know, the next question is, you know, who was your man of the match? Well, someone that you know. The man that I feel sorry for, in a way, was Jamie McLaren because he was just so unused out there. And people are saying, oh, you know, he's not being a part of the play. The amount of times he tried to be a part of the play, but we were just honestly too scared to play a ball into someone's feet, a striker's feet, you know, with his back to goal. And that is another reason why we saw Tom Rogic had to drop so deep all the time. So, yeah. And look, I, I didn't think we would miss Aaron Moy going into this tournament. I wasn't convinced that um, he'd, you know, put in a performance for the soccer who's worthy of us missing it. But you could see, plain, plain and simple, that it was someone like him that we needed um, tomorrow night. Now, I know you can ask me next, was I surprised or disappointed by anyone? And just on that note that you're about to say about Tom Rogic, I can't see his worth playing against these teams or playing, playing for the Socceroos in general at the moment. I cannot see how a Tom Rogic helps us at all. The thing that let us down the other day is speed of play. Yeah? Getting yeah, the ball. Yeah, and that's when Tom move. Rogic, and that's where Tom Rogic is crucial to our okay, team. Okay, but he did not, he slowed down 
the play every time the ball got to his feet. The because, other day. Matt, every time he got the ball, he was in front of the the midfield line because no one was passing him the ball. When you say you say that we didn't miss Aaron Moy, like, you know, you, you said that, you know, we probably did miss Aaron Moy. Aaron Moy is a player like that. Jackson Irvine is a player like that who isn't afraid to play, play the ball in between those defensive spaces. And that's where we've always known Tom Rogic to be to be critical to a team, absolutely dangerous for our team. He's 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 wasted if where if Maslowongo and Mark Milligan are gonna wait till he gets on the other side of the midfield line, you know, um, you know, further away from goal. Uh, prior to playing him the ball, he's 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 useless there, and that's why he was so it was so slow in there. Now I'll ask you first who you were either surprised or disappointed by before I so, give you mine. I, I I've just told you Tom Rogic is yeah my biggest disappointment for me, and if we are to come at least for the rest of the group stage, I can't see a place for him in this team because I think he's an absolute he, he's an absolute waste against these West Asian teams because he's he doesn't have the um. He doesn't have the quickness of thought to make those passes that we need to unlock. We're, we're better off served with a midfield, a flat midfield three of three central midfielders who can who can offload the ball into these wingers and then join the attack. Uh, and the biggest surprise to me was probably Ryan Grant because, quite frankly, I didn't. Um, I thought Risden would be able to do that job, but and that's probably given. Uh, that's probably down to his understanding with Graham Arnold. And Grant knows how you know how to play that attacking fullback more, especially this season, than a Josh Risden does, who hasn't been doing you know as much attacking for the Wanderers as Grant has for Sydney. So yeah, Matt, just give me a moment because you're saying Rogic's quickness of pass. Okay, there was one moment in the game, another moment. Sorry, I know I said one moment. There was another moment in that game where I believe it was Jackson Irvine finally played the ball to Rogic at the edge of the box. Rogic turned quickly, played a 1-2, I think it was either Mobile or Jamie McLaren, had a shot, warranted it went over the bar, okay? But in those moments, in and around the box, he was lightning in that play, where he's, where he's dangerous. Uh, uh, look, I'm get, we're just going to have to agree to disagree here because whilst, yeah, he may have played a few good combinations here, Cruz played some good combinations, Economides played some good combinations, Alwyn Mabil played some good combinations. Oh, I have nothing it, to say about it. No, it's the fact that when he was on the turn, it took him forever to get the ball around and half of the time that was being, uh, half of the time his use of the ball in promising positions was either being, you know, a shot from outside the box straight into the keeper's hands, a scuff shot that skims across the grass and goes into the um, stands or it would have been a, it would have been a, a, you know, hopeless through ball over the top to somebody that, you know, culminated in nothing. All right, mate. Well, look, fair enough. As you said, we'll just have to uh, agree to disagree. Now, quickly, uh, you know, who who disappointed me uh, massively? And, you know, I'll just touch on it quickly. That was Mark Milligan, actually. Now, in that game... You know, when we were down, you know, for large periods of that game, in the first half, I never really saw a moment where he kind of, you know, fired the boys up or, you know, just got up a few of the players and, you know, just kind of really took the game by the scruff of the neck, especially in the midfield. Uh, but for me, actually, my man of the match uh, had to be, I thought, was Ryan Grant. And, uh, you know, it might sound odd seeing as he didn't play the full game, but he came on and he got forward down, down the, you know, down the flanks with a bit of purpose and him moving further down the field allowed space for Mobile because the left back, you know, their, their, their winger wasn't tracking back and the left back couldn't exactly deal with the two players. 
And I think that he's a must, you know, just quickly, you know, for the, uh, the, the preview, I think he's a must start against Palestine because, in, in you know, instead of Josh Risden, um, he actually looks capable of doing the work and running the meters that need to be run in terms of getting down the pitch and getting back up again. And he's just a lot more intelligent in his um, in his attacking movement. He knows how to play that attacking fullback role incredibly well, and he's obviously got a connection with Almaville. So yeah, couldn't agree more. He has to he has to come in for the next exactly. Game. But um, well, look, mate. Just uh, leading into the preview now, what uh, what changes do you think? You know, one what changes would you make, and what changes do you think will be made? I, I think Grant should come in for Risden, and I, I completely agree with that. Um, Degenek and Sainsbury are still our two best centre-backs, and that point you made about Mark Milligan, the same could be said about those two. You know, they're proper leaders and for sure. certainly didn't certainly didn't act like it um, Well, they, the made some, they did make some right. great challenges. Um, yeah, but in terms of, you know, shouting the boys, riling them up and things like yeah, that, that's you true. know, that, that, that's what you need from your centre-backs. Uh, one of the clearest and most obvious uh, changes for me has got to be, uh, Aziz Bage can't play there. Any right-footed fullback cannot be playing at left-back in this team. The, the amount of times we get the ball forward and when teams surrender possession against you, your fullbacks need to be on their proper foot so that they can take the ball yeah, forward and yeah. break past that third line. How many times did Aziz Bayich not get past the 18-yard line? How many times did we see him cut back on into the right side on his right foot where you've got a Robbie Cruz or a Chris Economides and a Tom Rogic and a Maslowongo all in that space. And as soon as he, he shit, you should see me right now pivoting um, in my lounge <laughs> room. Every time he shifts onto the right, you see that all of the uh, Jordanian defenders shift their body focus and all of those options get cut out incredibly easily. Mm. And we have to go back all the way around to Mark Milligan, all the way around to the right. Or we end up whipping in a hopeless cross to Jamie McLaren. So it has to be Alex Gers back for me. Yeah. The, the, argu- the only argument, as he has at the moment, is that he's a, he's a more experienced defender in terms of the fact that he um, has played more football because he's older. But Alex Gersbach has played more minutes at Rosenberg this season than Aziz has played at PSV. Alex Gersbach has played under Graham Arnold before at Sydney FC. Alex Gersbach is, yeah. young- Al- is a younger player. Alex Gersbach is going to be there in 2022. Aziz Bayic isn't. You know, maybe we should take a leaf out of the Japanese books and actually say to some of these players that whilst are still very serviceable, as we can see, Kasuki Honda would have been a serviceable player for Japan at this World Cup, but they've just... Oh, it's come to a mutual agreement that, no, we're going to sit you out. We're going to build for the future. Yeah. And I, I, I just can't see a point for him in this team. Well, anyway, maybe that's... Maybe that, that, I think that's a conversation, a whole other can of worms for another day. And maybe something yeah. when we look back on this tournament. But yeah, look, I I had Grant and I said and I had Gersh back as well. I said, don't be surprised. Yeah. And um, midfield three for you. I'd start. Who, who would you have? I think well, Milligan will start. Uh, I think yeah. Rogic will be there. But I had a gutsy move, and I've gone for Irvine in over Mass Luongo. Okay, I, I've gone for the inclusion of Mustafa Amini, and yeah, along the, along a similar vein, either for Luongo or for um, yeah, or for Rogic. Yeah, so it'll um, it'll be, but yeah, look, uh, all, all yeah, for, for for that matter, yes, all I all I think is is that we need another, we need a midfielder in there that's going to allow that one isn't scared to play the passes, and two just allows Rogic more freedom in between the lines because. As we saw, he was just dropping way too deep, way too often to try and pick up the ball. But um, but yeah, you know that's whether Graham Arnold, you know, listens in uh, in his spare time. 
uh, this week and uh, takes on our thoughts. Uh, uh, I would see. say Mabil and Economides to start on the wings and I wouldn't be surprised given that we know how this team are going to play and I don't... Sometimes I don't think it's possible to simply pass through a team when we may as well just revert to type and, you know, keep <laughs> slinging crosses in. At least if we had Apostolos Giannou up there, he's a bit more of an aerial threat than Jamie McLaren. And yeah, don't get me wrong, Mc- McLaren was one of the bright sparks in the game, but at least having a Giannou there is a bit more of a poacher. He is a bit more of an aerial threat. And, um, yeah. Yeah, he, he just oh, I can, I can something that. different. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Well, um, what do we need? Stupid question. What do we need from this game? Just, just, just quickly. Oh, um, well, if if we lose, we're going home. Um, if we if we draw, I, I really can't see us getting out of the group, even if it is one of the in one of those third place spots. So we need to win. We need to win. We need to win convincingly. Uh, Graham Arnold needs to make the changes that need to be made. But above all else, these players have to step up. These players have to simply step up because it. We've been underperforming for four years. And it, this is wholly a, a very similar group to that which failed to qualify for a World Cup and to that which di- honestly disappointed in a World Cup. So, yeah, we, we, we need to step up. We need to win and win convincingly. Yeah, that's what I've got. I, I just went speed, intensity, shots, goals, and win. An absolute must, must win. Um, just quickly, key player and final words, mate. For this, I'd uh, say, I'd I'd say, Jackson Irvine, Mark Milligan, Mustafa Amini, Luongo, whatever, whichever midfielder start, be faster in your ball possession. Do not be afraid to play the surprise ball. We saw a few times when Milligan dinked that little one over the top for Jamie McLaren, who was making that run. Yeah. When we did find McLaren, it put us it put us into a scoring chance. And do you know why that is? Because these players are of a higher a higher caliber of a higher quality these players have the ability to control that ball or to play that pass and that's how we're going to beat these teams that have quite frankly a much greater team spirit than us and a lot more um organized than us in in defense and can cut out the transition about a lot a lot better we need to use our dominance of um technical ability and our superiority of player to 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 beat these players and yeah yeah that that would be my words Yep. The team. Oh, fair enough, mate. Well, that yes, that's. I oh, mate, all I've just got is just win, simple, just show a bit of fight, you know, and yeah, a bit of just you know, pardon you know my English, but just show a bit of balls, and you know, go out there and be a bit daring because the other day just was so far from that. So, uh, well, look, mate, we will move on now. We will leave that for the time being. Now we need to move into our A League. Preview. Now, we have already previewed Friday night's game in last week's episode. Uh, that is Melbourne City at home against the Brisbane Raw. And we will look forward to this Saturday at Westpac Stadium, Wellington versus the Central Coast Mariners. Um, yeah. I'm going to go again. Um, I'm, I'm calling a bit of a bloodbath here. And I think... Uh, I'm going to assume that you're not far behind me here. Yeah. Because, I, uh, yeah, I mean, there's not much not much else we can really say about the uh, Central Coast Barons at the moment. I, I just can't see where they can pick something up anymore. I, uh, I'm, I'm lost for words. I, I don't really know what to say about them anymore. It was very interesting, the um, Adelaide United-Wellington game. So I'm, I just want to take a second to reflect on last week's mm-hmm. results. You had four teams that went behind and gave up wins. Consequently, you had four teams 
that came behind from losing positions. And what? You had, you had two teams that drew, nil-nil, negating each other. Now, of all the games I watched, this Adelaide versus Wellington game probably had the highest intensity out of all of it. And it's, it's credit to um, Head Mark kicks and, and Marco Kurz. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's credit to those two coaches of their, of their intensity of their play. And this Wellington team coming up against the Central Coast off a week of, you know, going away and probably deserved something more out of that Adelaide game than just a point, Mm -hmm. they're going to be smelling blood. So, yeah, Wellington all the way for me there. Okay, fair enough. That's what, yeah, I've got got there. And we've got Melbourne Victory at home on Saturday Saturday night at 7.50 following the Wellington game. And they are home at home against the Newcastle Jets. Yes, so um, Kevin Musket's got uh, the Adelaide away in Adelaide tomorrow night, and then the victory, uh, the game against Newcastle at Amy Park on Saturday, and then Brisbane on the Tuesday. So out of those three games, I think this is probably the game at home against Newcastle, who are without a Ronald Vargas, uh, where he will probably have to rotate his squad a little bit, given mm-hmm. that we are quite thin at the moment. A few of our George Niedermeyer's just pulled out this afternoon of this game with a uh, hamstring injury. The soft muscle the soft muscle injuries are really plaguing the victory at the moment. Mm. And I um I could see the squad rotated here meaning Newcastle do have an opportunity to come into this game and to steal some points on the yeah. road which is if they want to make the top 6 at this stage halfway through the season they probably need to start stealing some points away from home. So I wouldn't discount Newcastle here. If victory show the grit though that they showed against Western Sydney, I yeah I think they should be yeah. able to get the get the points. Yeah, and credit to victory on that win. You know, um, regardless of where Wanderers are sitting on the table, it always is a tough trip, um, and to go and do it like they did uh, in tough gritty fashion was huge. And yeah, I mean, look, I'm I, I can't not side with victory here, but there is a really good opportunity here for Newcastle, like you said, even just to pick up a point. And a point right now, uh, look, mate, you, if you ask anyone, you ask. You ask Perth, you ask Sydney, you ask Adelaide, you ask anyone if they want to, if they were going to go to Melbourne and someone offered them a point uh, yeah. without even playing the game, they'd take it. So, uh, you know, that if Newcastle should, just purely based on the injuries uh, at the moment. So, yeah, there could be some room to strike there. And uh, well, we will move on Sunday afternoon, Sunday night, Sunday afternoon night, 6 o'clock. The sun will well and truly still be up at Oakey Jubilee Stadium when Sydney FC host Adelaide United. Now, I reckon we could be in for an absolute bell ringer of a football match here and Sydney at the moment as we know uh, they they are they are you know I guess you could say flying in a way uh, well and truly back to winning ways we saw uh, Adam LaFondra uh, breaking uh, first of what you'd think would be a few goal scoring records this season and how do you see them faring against Adelaide here at home I think it it's an interesting proposition Sydney versus Adelaide because They've been probably two of the most more successful teams in the A-League for a while now. It's nice to see CM Dion has stood up to the plate and we can still see that Adelaide are really missing that clinical striker up front and, you know, the days in January are ticking down. Mm -hmm. I can't look past Sydney for this. I think they're in flying form at the moment. And whilst Adelaide will be, um, you know, eager to get back on the winning sheet, just like I said about Wellington, Mm -hmm. I yeah, the character of Sydney's performance last week to just really... Once they were down against the Central Coast, and I do have to apologise, Western Sydney Wanderers were never leading against the Melbourne Victory. Um, mm-hmm. They did only bring it back to 1-1. So that uh, little stat I put together before was incorrect. <laughs> but the, the, the pure professionalism 
you know, it's a different player popping up every week for Sydney. This last week, Alex Brosk. The week before that, CM De Jong. The week before that, Adam Lafondra. And then, you know, the Perth game is kicking off tomorrow. You know, who knows who, who could step up then? So, yeah, I can't, I can't see past Sydney for this. I think they've just got too much class and too much quality for yeah. a strikerless Adelaide at the moment. Yeah, but I don't. I think don't be surprised if you say Adelaide put one or one or even maybe two away here. So, uh, yeah, well, look, mate, they are the last game of the weekend, uh, not the round as such. Perth at home against the Wanderers. Uh, the Wanderers, you know, really battling at the moment. Saw them again take no points away from home. Uh, unfortunately, becoming a bit of a theme for them this season, and they now travel to Perth uh, on Sunday night or Sunday afternoon Perth time, uh, eight o'clock our time. Um, I hear, yeah, I think that uh, Wanderers might put up a bit of fight. They might take away some confidence, you know, that you know, even though they didn't pick up points at home against uh, the victory, they they were well and truly in that game right until the very very end uh, in a very tight match. So. You know, they, they should take some confidence away. And uh, I guess, if anything, they know what sort of team they're going to go up against in Perth because the manager there managed them for a very, very long time. So uh, that could be something there. Uh, what about yourself, mate? Uh, again, it's Western Sydney. It's another team that they're not completely lost or strung out like a Central Coast, but there's just that one player that's missing that probably is um, the difference between them uh, languishing down the bottom and them being a little bit more respectable in the middle of the table. Mm-hmm. That being said, Perth, extremely professional against Brisbane Raw. That second half comeback was probably one of the performances of the A-League season. I can't look past them here. What do you make of the um, Andy Keogh and Bruno Fornaroli swap deal that's been rumoured the past couple of uh, 48 hours? That would be big. That would be very, very big, I think, and uh, something for... I think that could interest Perth uh, quite, uh, quite, you know, be, sorry, I lost my words there. Uh, that could be a very, very important switch for them and something that I think they should strongly consider. And, you know, we it has been said before that Andy Keogh is only, he's only scoring if it's put on a plate for him in the sense that, you know, he's not going to go and create a goal for himself. Uh, so, you know, maybe having someone like a Bruno Fornaroli there would be huge and... You know, someone that can create a goal out of nothing. We've seen him do it many a time in the A-League. And, you know, Bruno leaving Perth... Uh, sorry, leaving Melbourne City could offer, you know, Warren Joyce that you no know, final, you know, nail in the coffin on the uh, the whole debacle there. So, uh, yeah, what about yourself? Um, I'm not sure. I think it could really destabilise Perth, who are, you know, they've blipped recently and nowhere near the um, blistering form that they were at the start of the year. However, I think it... Yeah, I think it only. I think it could only do harm than good. To be honest, I think it would be an incredibly naive and silly move from from Perth. And I don't. If Tony Popovich is the man that has the final say, I can't see him approving yeah. anything like that at all. For Bruno Fornaroli, obviously, to be a great move because he'd be playing football again. However, if I were him, I would be looking at the options of a of an Adelaide or a Western Sydney or um, even a Wellington. You know, I'd be looking to go somewhere else. But yeah, I just purely for the fact that it has. Perth have too much to lose by doing it. I, whilst I do understand that Keo needs sublime service in order to um, in order to deliver, I just think that a half fit Bruno Fornaroli isn't going to do them much good, especially with Chris Economides out for the Asian Cup. Albeit sure. he may be he may be coming home very soon. For for sure, mate. We our last two games that we're looking at here fall on 
Next Tuesday, Brisbane Raw at home against the Melbourne Victory. And Wednesday, we have Central Coast Mariners at home against City. How do you see that these last two games, mate, just to wrap up the round, uh, how do you see these falling for both sides? Um, again, I, I think what I said about victory earlier, I think they'll come back with their fully refreshed squad up to Brisbane, although Brisbane aren't much chop at, or haven't been much chop this season. I, they're definitely on a resurgence under Darren Davies, and Darren Davies will have a point to prove against his old head coach, Kevin Musket. Darren mm-hmm. Davies famously um, was part of the U team and assistant to Kevin for a bit. For the Central Coast Melbourne City game, we remember we look back at this as uh, what I considered a very, very good point for Central Coast at the beginning of the season, and that sort of started my my bullishness of them and my support of them in saying that you know I really like the project. In hindsight, you know I couldn't be any more wrong. It was probably down to Melbourne City's ineptness that mm-hmm. day, and ineptness which continued for a few weeks of the season and which they have seemed to have overcome at this point. This is a Melbourne City team that's that's really purring. Again, came from behind against uh, Newcastle Jets, albeit with a little bit of help from the referee, to, um, to get a really valuable three points. I wouldn't put it past them putting another professional performance in like you and I watched um, in a horrible state on New Year's Day <laughs> and, yeah, s- taking, taking the Central Coast Mariners out there. Okay, mate. Well, thank mate. Fantastically uh, assessed there and previewed there, mate. Now, of course, that wraps up our show for tonight or today, whenever you will be listening. And, of course, this weekend, however, we will be back on Saturday with a quick little review preview uh, of the Palestine game and previewing Australia versus Syria, the final match in the group. And we'll be back, uh, again back next week for the rest of our Hyundai A-League season, even though we're a long, long way to go. I mixed up my words there. But nonetheless, that wraps up the show for tonight, mate. So I look forward to chatting to you on Thursday. I'm oh, sorry, on Thursday, on Saturday. I'm all over the shop at the moment. And uh, hopefully we'll be sitting here in a much better mood and you know a whole lot more optimistic about the Socceroos' chances at this year's Asian Cup in the United Arab Emirates. Matthew, thank you very much, mate, as always. And I I would say I look forward to seeing you next week, but I look forward to talking to you in the next couple of days, my friend. Ciao for now, Joseph. See you, mate. Bye.